this Hallmark quality control. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Hallmark Quality Control. I'm Reagan. I'm Ansley. And I'm Morgan. And today we're taking a break from our regularly scheduled programming to bring you a special Valentine's Day episode of the 2000 uh, year, the year 2000 movie, Cupid and Kate. What a throwback. Now, I'm just going to start off with the note that this was much less a Valentine's movie than I think we were expecting. We thought we were (laughs) going to get the destiny of love, and what we actually got was the way that dysfunctional family relationships mess you up for the rest of your life. So (laughs) this might not be the romantic episode you were hoping for, but we'll do our best. So let's talk about uh, the plot of this movie, Cupid and Kate. Um, We meet the D'Angelo family. Um, with a domineering businessman of a father. Um, The mother has passed away. Um, We find out that she was an alcoholic, had a very difficult relationship with the father. Uh, We meet four daughters in this family. Um, Francesca, um, who she and her boyfriend unexpectedly became pregnant at a young age, um, off railing her dream of, of becoming a doctor. But after having her child, she went back to school and became the doctor, um, mostly with encouragement from her father to do that. The second daughter, Annette, is the perfect wife and mother. Uh, the third daughter, Cynthia, is a supermodel dating a very famous uh, soap opera actor. And our protagonist is the fourth daughter, Kate, who is running a lame secondhand store and dating the most bland potato of a human being that ever (laughs) walked the earth, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Kate is running a secondhand store, which she purchased off of a friend of her mother's. Um, She basically spends her time at her store watching soap operas and scaring away customers (laughs) while uh, dating her boyfriend, Philip, who she is living with who likes her pretty much because she, you know, doesn't expect things from him. So, a stellar relationship, truly. Uh, Kate very reluctantly goes to her father's birthday party, expecting family drama to kick off. Well, she was right. While at the birthday party, she meets uh, Cynthia's lawyer named Harry. Harry is immediately intrigued by Case's old-fashioned vintage blouse from her store and strikes up a conversation with her. Despite knowing that she has a serious live-in boyfriend, he decides to pursue her anyway. He's just charmed and intrigued. Well, Kate goes and meets up with him a couple times um, and is starting to question her relationship with Philip. Philip ends up proposing because, you know, Kate is probably the best he can do, right? Well, Philip's actually running from a difficult family relationship himself. Um... But decides, you know, after you've been living together, I guess, an engagement is the next step. So that's what they decide to do. So while Kate says yes and is engaged to Philip, she still sees Harry a couple times um, before deciding that she's going to break off the relationship with Philip that seems like the safe thing and go for Harry because she's really fallen in love with him. Harry, who is played by Peter Gallagher of 2000's rom-com fame, by the way. Well, before she marries Harry, uh, she finds out from her sister, Francesca, the doctor, that there is potentially some concern around Harry's recent doctor's appointment. Um, Francesca doesn't know for sure, but she thinks that Harry has leukemia. 
Harry does not know this yet, and Kate does not tell him, but they decide to basically go have a courthouse wedding and get married now. Why wait? And get married before Harry finds out um, that he potentially has leukemia. Well, he does indeed, so Harry has to begin undergoing um, treatment for that, and we find out that uh, Kate is also expecting a child. So while Kate is staying up all night with their new baby, Harry is sick from the treatment that he's been undergoing. Um, so this puts strain on their relationship. Uh, Kate's father steps in, tries to kind of help, but um, as per usual, doesn't do it in a way that Kate really appreciates or understands or um, that meets with the way that she's trying to take care of her baby or run her life. Um, just seeing herself as a disappointment to her father. Um, Ultimately, Harry goes into remission. We don't know what the future of his health will be. There's always the possibility of his cancer coming back. But we do begin to see some healing relationships um, in the D'Angelo family. All of the sisters get a chance to sort of speak up and have their say. Um, and they get to air out the fact that they've had pretty unhealthy relationships regarding... Um, the fact that their mother was an alcoholic. Some of the girls feel like it wasn't her fault because she was in a bad relationship with the father. Some think it, it was more of her fault, um, but everybody's able to kind of have their say and we start to see the family mending their relationships and look forward to a more promising future as a family. So that is the short of it. I must say one of the things that stood out to me was how very 2000s this movie was. Fashion <laughs> sense definitely oh, yeah. included in that. Um, so, all right, I'll open it up. Morgan, Ansley, what did you think of Cupid and Kate? Well, I've got a thought I just have to get out first. And I just want to say that it's really nice to see that after she received the turtle dove from Kevin, the homeless woman from Home Alone 2 was able <laughs> to get herself a nice house, you know, brighten herself up with bright blonde hair um, and have a, yeah. a successful mm -hmm. antique shop that Kate then uh, purchased from her. So it was nice to see that she had gotten her life together after meeting yeah. Kevin. And and had at least one friend because she was friends with the D'Angelo's mother, the raging alcoholic. So, yeah, you know, so she goals. got another friend besides Kevin. and Besides Kevin, that's yeah. two friends now. That turtle dove, it, it really paid off for her in a big way. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought the... Some of the things that they said were so outrageous, like, um, I mean, the one-liners from her father, for example, were just, like, true, but also, ow, painful. Like, um, like, uh, when she goes to his birthday party and he's like, oh, I thought you went upstairs to iron your blouse, <laughs> like, in front of guests, too. This is, like, a big, like, a big birthday party with a lot of, like, company and people coming in and out. And he just, like, says that in front of everybody. Like, okay, well, I see why. I see why there's some resentment there. But they did a, I mean, you, you definitely could tell that this was, like, a pattern of behavior. And, like, she, Kate kept walking out of all these, like, conversations. As soon as things got a little sticky, she would just vacate. And you can tell that's, like, the reaction of a person who's, like, reached their absolute absolute maximum tolerance on this behavior uh, because she's encountered it so often and has become like very sensitive to it so I thought they did a good job of portraying there was a lot of like history there and it, it was gonna like take some time to kind of get over all of those all of those pieces and like all the daughters 
all the daughters dealt with their mother's death and then like a different way and had a different view of how that all went down. Yeah, they did a pretty good job of um, quickly painting a picture of the dysfunction of the family. So, you know, you could kind of tell which sister was the one that was meek and backed off. And, you know, you could see that Kate obviously had the worst, most antagonistic relationship with her father. And, yeah, he was just one after the other, you know, like never would stop with her. And he didn't treat any of the other sisters that way. Um, It was just her that... You know, he would say a one-liner and then she would kind of, okay, you know, whatever. Like, she could take it, but then he'd have another one-liner after that. She'd respond. He'd have another one. Like, he just was relentless in Mm -hmm. mocking her, making fun of her life choices, her serious life choices. So, it was kind of brutal. she was... She was really the daughter that didn't conform to his, his idea of what a woman should be. You know, they put in some very traditional, um viewpoints slightly oppressive viewpoints from him in terms of well maybe once you actually marry philip and start having babies you'll realize what a woman's only purpose is you know some stuff in that kind of vein well and but honestly i just think the dad was a jerk and i was just getting annoyed it's a difficult situation right this is your family this is your father it's complicated But I was getting annoyed with the sisters that the father was clearly being a jerk to Kate in front of everybody. And they were just sort of sitting back and letting that happen because it wasn't their relationship with him. Right right up until the end where Mm -hmm. Annette said to to Cynthia and Francesca, Look, I used to think this was just Kate's deal with dad, but this is all of us. We've all got this unhealthy dynamic going together, and it's time for all of us to say our piece about it and stand up for the way that that he talks to us. And that seemed to be the effective approach in the end. I I was just frustrated that that he would say something incredibly rude in front of other people, and then Mm -hmm. he'd be like, Oh, dad, Uh, you know how dad is. Yeah, dad's a jerk. Dad is a jerk. Yeah, that's true. The sisters kind of kept saying, oh, you know, Kate and dad, like, she doesn't come around very much. And come on, Kate, it's his birthday. I know you don't like, you know, like, like, clearly he had something, he had some problems. But too, talking about he had, you know, mind, these like mindset of a certain way that a woman should be that she was not fulfilling. Like they made all of the other sisters like, like a version of the ultimate woman, right? Francesca uh, was a teenage mother and she and her boyfriend got married and had the baby and she still became, you know, went to Johns Hopkins and got the medical degree and is a prestigious doctor. And Annette is married to a banker and has two, two, you know, beautiful twin girls and is always put together and sort of the meek housewife. And then Cynthia is like larger than life, supermodel, you know, dating dating a famous soap opera. I mean, with those kinds of standards, like, no wonder, you know, she feels like she can't compete. I was interested in, she mentioned something about going back to work at the Pentagon if the shop doesn't doesn't work out. And I thought, wait, was that, like, a a joke? Or was she serious? Did she work at the Pentagon before this? Because, like, I kind of want to know what that's all about. Yeah. I think... 
you know, so they they imply that she had worked, they said it a couple times, so I think it was a serious thing that she used to work at the Pentagon, decided to give give all that up and go have a secondhand vintage store that, that she really enjoyed. But if we're being honest, you know, Kate thought that her dad was unnecessarily hard on her, but she, at the beginning of the movie, was a person who was passive about her life and was starting to phone it in. Yeah. She was living with a guy that was okay enough, but not someone See, who I didn't get I didn't think that any they kind were of a real reason that he loved her or anything. I mean, at the beginning she says to him, you know, can we just go away? I don't want to go to dad's birthday party. Just say you'll take me away. You don't have to mean it, just say it. That is not someone who is in a, a fulfilled relationship and yeah. she was not really trying with her with her store she was scaring away customers it didn't look very nice she didn't really have a marketing strategy and it really took her sister Cynthia giving her a good kick in the pants to say um I think you've got to try a little bit and you maybe want to stop and think about whether Philip is actually the person that you want to be with um to the uh when she she had that whole conversation early on with Philip about Let's just not go to my dad's birthday party. Let's just get away and fly somewhere for the weekend. She was, she was, literally was watching Cynthia's soap opera boyfriend on the soap opera and was trying to, like, live some kind of fantasy thing from a soap opera of, let's just get away and leave it all behind. Like, she's trying to force Philip into that dynamic because she's not happy in her relationship. Like, she's trying to, she's trying to, and then, like, asking him, what do you like about me? And it's, she's trying to, she's trying to convince herself that this is something that she's happy with. I think that actually reflected a lot more poorly on Philip, though, because I think Mm. that, you know, she was just trying to get him to have a whimsical response to something, you know. I think that was her and it, like testing the boundaries of okay, I'm in this relationship and maybe it can be whimsical and maybe it can be, you know, maybe it's not as bad as everyone says and it was kind of her saying like I'm going to just see if he would just, you know, just even if you're not we're not really going to go away, just tell me we'll go away. Like she was trying to have fun with him and he was just like, "What? Why would I say that? I what?" And then when she was asking him to just say something nice about her, he was just such a, like, I don't know. He was terrible about it of like, what is the, what's the point of this? It's like, what's the point of getting complimented by, by your significant other? I think that's actually important. And he could only say, well, I mean, I love everything about you. I just, uh, you know, he was just a loser (laughs) who he wasn't expressive at all. He was just stodgy stodgy and boring and and not good for her and didn't bring out the side of her that she does have like a side of her that's rebellious and that's kind of you know like let's loose a little bought a secondhand store that's kind of a risky thing to do and she needed a more risky kind of love than what she had with philip well i think this example of her saying hey let's go away is it's a it's a good contrast between what she had with Philip versus what she had with Harry because I think there we see situations throughout the film where Kate is trying to escape her dysfunctional family dynamic and she shows up at a family event or something and then the dad says something harsh to her she just wants to pick up and leave and and we're done and I don't want to deal with him anymore and okay and so her initial appeal to Philip is, just take me away for the weekend. I don't want to go to dad's birthday party. And he's like, no, we have to go. 
and they plan to go and then he's called away to work and so he's not even there for her to go to the party with her when she's feeling really vulnerable and, and not really wanting to do that and then we have Harry who was at the was at the birthday party you know he seems to take the things that her father says just sort of in stride and to try and understand that this is somebody who's from a different generational context someone who had a very challenged relationship with with um, his wife but all but also loved his wife and was in kind of a difficult position and unlike Philip who was not even there for Kate in that situation Harry was there for her but also would not let her run away from that family dynamic anymore he told her he was telling her basically look you want to get up and run away and I'm gonna be there for you but you have to confront this issue that you have and your father needs to be in your life and he needs to be in the life of our son Philip even was running away from his own family dynamic. I, there was just a very short scene where he takes Kate to his parents for lunch. She is just, just wolfing food down like a starving hyena, eating the first <laughs> prey that it's found in weeks. Just really repugnant eating. I which mean, Harry, it was Harry seemed to find charming. It was worst. pretty. It was pretty gross. It was not great, but it was not the worst. But I mean, really though, the probably one but, of the hardest one of the hardest parts to watch was her, them eating Chinese because she was just she was horking. <laughs> like it was, her it eating's was, pretty gnarly, which was so not I good. don't blame his parents <laughs> Over for, the fried for rice. not being into that. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty pretty bad. But Philip, you could tell that the parents were not pleased with this as a person that, that Philip was going to be with. He was running away from his family's expectations as well. Later down the road, we see him engaged to somebody else. He looks happy. He sees Kate. She's really pregnant at this point. He's like, Kate, you look, oh, you look so great. You look great and stuff. Basically, what he was not saying was she looked happy, which is how she never looked when she was with him. Oh, that was um, really awkward because you know that people, you know, lip staring is kind of a thing. He was definitely just belly staring. Like, he was just staring at her pregnant belly. He kept looking down at her belly and just, I just can't, like, he just couldn't believe it. And I think part of that, too, was that she had told him that she didn't want kids and so yeah. she, you know, quick gets engaged to this other guy as soon as she breaks up with him and she ends up, you know, having a baby probably, you know, within the first couple months is pregnant. And and that's just totally not the, the idea of her that Philip had. And so for him to see her like happy, glowing, about to be a mother, just not at all what he envisioned Kate to be like. Well, and I think it's telling, too, that when she was with Philip, she was, I don't think I do want kids. Like, you never do, you're never, nothing good, nothing fun happens to you after you have a baby. And I think that really was more of a, it's kind of more of a manifestation of her relationship with Philip, that she was, it was already boring, and she wanted to have his boring babies in the suburbs, you know, like, but when she was with the right guy, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, we'll have, we'll have babies, and, but, um, I mean, I just think we need to talk about Kate for a minute because, like, well, I guess more Harry. Harry's, like, pursuit of her, like, total opposite of Philip. They drew a lot of good contrast there, but, like, Peter Gallagher was so bold. And, like, I don't know if I agree with the way this all went down. 
clearly it worked out for the best that she was with Harry and not not Philip. But like he knows she's in a relationship and they're at the father's birthday party. He's like, hey, you want to get out of here? Like what? Um, okay. She's like, yeah, I'll get out of here with you, even though I'm you know seeing somebody else. Let's drive around in your fancy car. And then um, when he drops her, which I guess he gave her a ride home, which has saved her taxi fare. But um. Then he says, I know you're seeing somebody, but I'd like to call you anyway. And she's like, oh, I don't know. He's like, no, I'm going to call you. And then literally as soon as she gets in your apartment, her phone rings and it's Philip calling on the answering machine and not him. But you can like see on her face, like she wants it to be Harry. I thought that was, that was interesting. And then later it's like after, I don't know if this is before or after she got engaged to Philip, but there she's like oh let's let's go to that uh, hitchcock festival downtown and it'll just be casual you know just we're just casual friends going for a movie even though we both know that's not what this is and he was wearing a suit coat and then he they got chinese and ate it on her balcony i'm sorry that is a date that is a date and that was not appropriate for her and then after she is engaged she goes out and meets harry again and says yeah i know this this is a problem but like I'm in love with you. And it's like, you're literally wearing the ring of another man and professing love to Harry. Like, I know you're a rebel, but like, can we take some time to figure out how we like, take some time to figure out how you feel about Philip before you jump ship? Like, she did not jump ship with Philip until she knew she had a safety net. Yeah, but I I feel like like, she was not brave enough to do it on her own. I feel like she partly at at least initially was resisting Harry went because Cynthia was like trying to force him on her. And then it was just kind of this like, okay, this undeniable chemistry between them. And she was just going to, you know, go ahead and oh, what does it hurt to just go out to coffee with him or whatever. And then it got to the point where I think she was just so tired of her old life and tired of her her dad's expectations for her and everything that I think the rebellious streak in her was just like, you know what? I want to get married. I'm in love. He's in love with me. Let's just do it. So she kind of just rushes headfirst into things with Harry. And it's so much different than the way that Philip proposed because Philip's proposal was, we make a great team and I want you to stick around permanently. And it's the, and and she asks, why did you propose to me now? And he says, well, it's the next step. I mean, he never says that he loves her and she says, you're right. Instead of saying yes, she never says yes. So it's just this really awkward. It sounded like she was getting a promotion, not like she was being proposed to. That was terrible, you know? So, um, yeah, I just think she was ready to, you know, re- be released from the shackles of Philip and all the expectations surrounding his family and her family and to just dive in with Harry. But she could have handled things so much better, I think. Yeah, like for sure. Which part of that is her whole, like, I'm a rebel personality thing. But, like, even after she's engaged to Philip, she's telling Harry that she's in love with him, and then she still ends up going to this like business that was so awkward even though she's already told harry she's in love with him and then she broke up with him at the business function like you either should have done this in front of his colleagues but you do not the other do this in the middle of the table the other eight people at that table were probably so uncomfortable they were off camera but they probably had to be because otherwise this is just like this is not this is not her brightest moment that 
okay, she's decided what she needs to do. She's in love with Harry. She's got to break it off with Philip. She goes to this business function, cannot wait 10 to 15 minutes for the function to be over before in front of a table of his colleagues saying, this isn't going to work. I want to go. He's like, no, it'll just be like 10 more minutes. She's like, no, we're not going to work and takes this ring off. Like in front of all of these people, doesn't give him a chance to like ask her um, what happened. Yeah. That was, that was not a very nice move on her part. Like I get that you needed to do it, but that was not the right way to do it. But like badly done indeed. Also, I have to clarify, I don't think that they were living together because they kind of showed two different apartments that Philip had an apartment that was a little bit fancier, had a nicer kitchen when he was cooking. And then there was a different apartment. So like he was over at her apartment um, sitting at the dining room table in one scene or whatever with her. But I don't think that they were actually living together. I think there were two separate locales. So I guess that makes it less messy for when she just up and marries Harry. Yeah. I couldn't tell the difference in, in the sets, so that that could be. You know, I think there were maybe some interesting points on Cynthia's relationship. Well, we see Kate, when she's running her store at the beginning, just sort of watching this soap opera that Cynthia's boyfriend is starring in. We know that Cynthia's boyfriend is um, kind of a blockhead, not, not the brightest. Um... But all of these people just adore this soap opera, and then we see Kate trying to sort of enact some of that that romance from the show into her relationship with Philip by, like, let's just go away, let's just go away for the weekend, like she had just seen on the soap opera. I mean, I think that, I think there are interesting things to be said about the influence of soap operas and soapy stories on the expectations that women have mm-hmm. in their relationships. I mean, we've pretty much established Philip was a no-go, but from that perspective, are do women have realistic expectations when, you know, what they see in media, in movies, and soap operas about relationships is something that's ultra-romanticized? Mm-hmm. To be fair, this is also a movie, and she did get a soap opera-esque ending with like you know somebody who she fell in love with in a week so she yeah. kind of ended up yeah. getting that in her yeah. life um but yeah. i think then the thing Over her hunch feeding tra- frenzy there was a yeah. man across from her still saying i adore you i think you're wonderful where it becomes messy is the point at which she finds out from her sister prior to marrying harry that he is sick or that he could be sick he's probably sick and then um he uh, she kind of rushes things along. Hey, let's go to the courthouse. Let's elope. Let's just do it now. Let's just get married. And, you know, he is just all, sure. Like, he's just caught up in the whimsy of it and thinks that it was just a fun idea. Hey, we're ready. Let's get married. And for her, there was this thing in the back of her head, like, I need to lock this down before he finds out he's sick. Otherwise, he might not marry me. And so then they end up having a very frank conversation when after um, they're married, he finds out, okay, I'm sick. And um, she, you know, he kind of says to her, you didn't trust me enough to make that decision on my own. Like, you didn't think I could handle that. I thought that was a really good conversation that they had where, you know, she kind of thought that she could Mm -hmm. just rush her way or just power her way through and get what she wanted. And, um, And what she wanted was to be married to him. And for it was like of no consideration for him 
and how he might feel about being sick and being the provider for a family and all of that. So I, I thought that was a really good scene. Well, I I understand her point of view from that because some of the things Harry was saying in that scene, you know, maybe he it's they sort of implied maybe he wouldn't have married her because he would have been concerned about his ability to provide for her long term. He felt like marrying her, he was promising her a life and now he wasn't sure if he had that. But I don't know if she if she wanted to marry him and he wanted to marry her and that was the only factor i i mean i can't condone her concealing that from him that's that's not fair but i could see how from his perspective he may get a little bit too caught up in the masculine pride of the fact that being sick was going to make him vulnerable and he didn't want to share that vulnerability but she somebody. didn't let him make that choice. She just thought, oh, I, I'm afraid of what his masculine pride will do. I'm afraid of what will happen. And so I'm not going to let him make that choice for himself. I know what's better. I want to marry him. He wants to marry me. Let's just do it. And I don't, that wasn't really totally fair to him. Even if it is true that for a while he might have grappled with it. But he, you know, during the course of this movie, he, you know, he gets sick and then he gets into remission you know, they don't really give a timeline, but fairly quickly as she's pregnant. And then after she has the baby, then he gets sick again and, and then seems to be in remission again. Like he kind of goes through a couple bouts of it. Um, and so it might have been something where maybe he wasn't re ready to marry her when he was initially sick. But then, you know, after he goes into remission for the first time, he's comfortable with that. So it, it just was her taking that choice away from him and kind of just controlling that aspect of their lives together. Like I said, I, I don't think it was right for her to be deceitful with him, but I do think she was right in that she anticipated that he would he would push her away from some of that vulnerability. Well, I mean, really, I think it, you kind of wonder, Francesca really should not have told her about it by rights. And I don't know, you know, what I would do if I was a doctor and, like, one of you guys was marrying somebody who had a potentially life-threatening disease. Like, talk about the stuff of soap operas, right? Like, but Francesca, I, I mean, I'm sure she did that for Kate, but she also did that for herself a little bit because she wanted to be able to tell somebody and things might have been better if Kate had not known and they had just made their own decisions until they found out something else, you know? Um, but I'm, I'm not sure... That that's, would be a hard position to be in. But I think they, you know, when you think about the very beginning where she's, like, watching that soap opera, Covington Heights, and um, trying to, like, create this fantasy relationship, um, it's, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot about her and her relationship with Philip that was very shallow. And then as she kind of gets that fairy tale... I'm in love with you after only a week and let's get married right away. Let's just go down to the courthouse and get married. Uh, but then at the very end, right, you see her dealing with him going through chemotherapy and her, they're having a baby kind of seemed like unexpectedly. And then she's trying to deal with that and deal with her husband being in the hospital. And there's just a lot, a lot of things going on, but you see, you see, a contrast between kind of this like fantastic romantical kind of love that she was looking for and in the end while she got some of that also the real love is 
the in sickness and in health, like we're going to get through this and have the hard conversations with your family and and she is going to be at the hospital and taking care of the kids. And like, that's the real life, like the practical day to day of loving somebody. So I thought you see, you see it not just in her circumstances, but also in her, how she reacts to those circumstances. Like she grows as a person. Yeah. And at one point, I think it's when uh, her baby is having a checkup with her doctor sister um she says you don't have to say i told you so because kate's realizing at that point like her sister had told her he was sick to warn her like maybe you don't want to rush into things and she instead was like no i'm gonna i'm just gonna rush in even more and then afterward the realization of like okay my husband's in the hospital and i i have this newborn i'm not getting any sleep i'm still fighting with my dad all of that stuff hit her and it was like okay, this really was hard. You were maybe right to warn me, but, you know, not that she regretted where she was at, but just that, okay, I acknowledge this is harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. One thing that I really liked um, as part of the more serious plot points around Harry being sick uh, was at some point after Harry's been in remission, he has some kind of collapse. He ends up in the hospital Um, for a little bit before he comes home and, and kind of gets better. But the, the doctor is standing there talking to Kate and she sort of lashes out at him around, I wish I felt like I, you people knew what you were doing. And he, the doctor sort of like, yeah, I wish I felt that way too. She, she ultimately apologizes, but I like that it was, uh, a moment of honesty and transparency from a doctor saying, look, we don't know exactly what this looks like and I wish I could tell you exactly what you could expect or or that we had for sure gotten this thing beaten. I can't tell you that for sure and and I'm sorry, but this is what we know right now. Uh, That kind of honesty is really nice to hear from a medical professional um, in that kind of setting. I think that's what most people want from, from a doctor. Human to human, I'm just gonna tell you this is this is what I know right now, and I'm sorry that I can't that I can't do better for you. I would just like to add that the Cupid had hardly anything to do with the plot to be worthy of naming this movie Cupid and Kate. Like she and her bird lady friend found this at a random estate sale, and then I guess it was like. It was in her living room when she and Harry first kissed. Like that really was it. And then it was sitting in the shop. Like that there was there was nothing else that was Well, Cynthia I mean, had was, said, I, I want you to have a little to... Cupid for the shop and and so it was kind of just yeah. like, Oh, the quest for your little Cupid and then I guess it, it was just so subtle the you know, the happenings metaphor for Yeah, the, the happenings of love. the Cupid coinciding with her life. They could have done that in an obvious way where it would have been like, oh, and then the Cupid yeah. or whatever. But they didn't. It was just kind of like on the side, she just had this thrift yeah. this idea of going to a thrift store and finding a Cupid. And oh, by the way, her love life is also evolving right now. Like they really don't have anything to do with each other. Yeah. Although, you know, if they tried to be more overt with it, it probably would have come across like a little bit Cheesy, gimmicky, like yeah. a home, like a Hallmark Father Christmas sort of situation, and that would not have been good for anybody. So, <laughs> all right, any final thoughts on Cupid and Kate? 
overall, this was not like I remembered. Like, I, it's been a long time since I've seen this movie. Um, I remember watching it probably, it must have been sometime in the, in the 2000s somewhere. But, um, not nearly, definitely not nearly as, like, overtly Valentine's romantic as I remember. And the ending caught me off guard a little bit. I was, like, prepared for, I didn't remember what the ending looked like. I was prepared for some sort of, like, um... Harry's Harry's better and our family is healed, you know, sort of situation. They didn't really give us as much satisfaction there as I expected, although we did kind of finally get the big the big sibling rebellion against the father. Like, no, we are gonna talk about this and we are gonna deal with it, and we know you don't like it, but here's what it is, and we need to figure out a way to not be this anymore. And that was a satisfying moment to see all of the daughters kind of have their moment to interject. Um, and then, you know, Kate kind of gets a moment with her father. I was not happy with the fact that he never really apologized for his domineering and frankly rude behavior. Like, he, at the end, he sort of, you know, was telling the story about how hard it was to be, like, married to this alcoholic that he was, you know, so much in love with. Um, which, you know, he and Kate kind of connect in that moment, but also, dude... You have been a real jerk, and it would be nice if you could own that a little bit. And like that has really nothing to, to do that. with making fun of your daughter's blouse or calling her uh, her store some stupid little thrift store. Like all of the insults that he yeah. hurled at her about her life had nothing to do with the fact yeah. that her mother was an alcoholic. It's just they like they had a bad relationship, and he blamed being grumpy and and the fact that I think you know Kate kind of seemed to always take her mother's side and think the best of her mother and she was she was amazing she was a saint to put up with him and all how he yelled at her and just sort of you know clung more to her her mother um her mother's memory and all of that and never really understood her father as being truly loving toward her mother and didn't understand fully understand the dynamics of their marriage so yeah it, it was just you know, it didn't feel super resolved between Kate and her dad, but but somewhat like they're beginning to understand each other. But yeah, you kind of just get this like blow up scene where all the sisters are yelling and the dad's yelling and he storms off and Kate, you know, chases after him. And then they kind of have like a short, maybe two or three minute conversation. And then And then it's like, and the movie's done, you know. And, um, well, and then they, they have one line about, you know, Kate, whatever happens with Harry and the baby, like... We're going to be okay. We're going to make it. Which, you know, parallels maybe between how he lost a spouse and how she might she, she might lose a spouse. But, yeah, I thought that was... I mean, and two, it's interesting to think about what the different... The daughter's experiences were all different based on their age when the mother died. You get the idea that Kate's the youngest and she was very young when the mother died. And so she does, she does not fully understand. And Francesca has kind of been the one to, like, defend their father a little bit. Well, Francesca's the oldest. Like, she she maybe saw more about what was really going on there than, than Kate did. So, yeah, I thought the ending was um, uh, a little bit un unexpected. I kind of wish there had been a little bit more tie-in, but, you know, hey, maybe that's real life. It's not always, like, clear-cut like that. Uh, I would say it was an interesting movie. It was entertaining um, and 
Definitely not at times as romantic as one would think from the name Cupid and Kate, but it had it had it had some good moments of like this is this is a portrayal of like real life and real relationships and it's not always like clear clear cut and it's not always, you know, it's not always as straightforward as we want, but it was real life. Yeah, I think when it comes down to it, maybe Maybe that type of ending was realistic in the fact that, contrary to the fairy tale, sometimes you don't know if a person that you care about that's sick, if they're going to have more of those problems or less. You don't know how long you're going to have people for. Um, And relationships that you have to repair with your family, that takes time and effort, and it's not something that happens magically after one confrontation so perhaps from that perspective it's realistic but you know family relationships can be difficult and challenging and we saw the parents have a relationship where the mother and the father fought a lot and the mother turned to alcohol to kind of numb some of the pain she was experiencing from that we saw the father with a lot of kind of controlling personality but also someone who did push his children to succeed so like life it's a mixed bag you know relationships are are difficult and challenging so um this was i think a a pretty good movie in the sense that you know maybe it didn't explore as much of those romantic themes but did explore um the importance of our family relationships as we have families of our own when you mm. marry and have your own family, you know, those relationships you had with your parents and their relationship is going to have an effect on you. So, yeah. Yeah, I think overall, pretty good movie. Interesting to see Peter Gallagher um, in this kind of context mm-hmm. with yeah. um, less eyebrows than he has in some of his other movies. Really? Um, because like he... his his eyebrows looked quite prominent to my eye, but I don't know. <laughs> well, it looks like maybe he'd, he'd gotten some plucking done in between while you were sleeping in this movie. So cleaner <laughs> eyebrows for Peter Gallagher is a win for everybody. So <laughs> I think that's going to conclude our review for today. Thank you for joining us at Hallmark Quality Control, and we'll see you next time.